Hey everybody, I'm Mike DeSepoli. Welcome to the Heritage Market Update for the fourth quarter of 2020. As part of our process, we are back to give you an update on the economy, the markets, and our portfolio strategy. It's really hard to believe we're already in the fourth quarter of 2020. It's certainly been quite a year. we got a lot to cover, so get let's get right to it. First, let's recap where we're at so far with the markets this year. We know the second quarter had the best market returns ever recorded, left many wondering what we could expect for the third quarter. So in the third quarter, we saw the Dow Jones end the quarter at 27,781, posting a gain of 7.6%. The NASDAQ closed the quarter at 11,167, continuing to lead the way with a gain of 11%. And the S&P ended the quarter at 3,362 for a gain of 8.4% in the quarter. These are strong gains following an already strong second quarter. And we want to get down to the nitty gritty about what's driving these markets, how the economy is looking, and most importantly, what are we doing to find value in our portfolio strategy. Now, as you know, as part of our process, we spent a lot of time evaluating the economy, trying to find strength and weaknesses so we could mirror what we see and try to take advantage of those trends in our portfolio strategy. So first, we're going to go through a quick update on the economy. GDP, gross domestic product, a very good readout on overall output for the economy. We saw it crater in the second quarter, showing an annualized drop of 31.4%. And we're expecting this quarter to see an increase on an annualized basis of 35%. So very important, shows that we're making up the entirety of the drop from Q2 here in Q3. Now that number has not been released yet. It's going to come out just a few days before the election. So a very important data point that many people will be watching but most polled economists expect an increase of 35%. Retail sales. You know we look a lot at retail sales. It's a leading indicator. This is a very consumer-driven economy, so it's very important that we track how the consumer is doing, and retail sales are a very good way to do that. Again, we saw retail sales plummet in the beginning of the year, showing a drop of 23% with a lot of the lockdown policies, many people staying home, not working, and more importantly, not spending their money. Uh, but very importantly, we've seen retail sales rebound very strongly. Uh, we've seen a rebound of 28.4% in retail sales, which puts retail sales at new all-time highs. Again, a very important leading indicator tells us that consumers are feeling better about the prospects for the future, and they're putting their money to work in the economy. A quick update on unemployment. Obviously, one of the side effects of the lockdown policies that many local, state, and federal governments used to try to stem the flow of the virus was big uptick in unemployment was the result. Right, So we saw unemployment peaking in March at 14.7%. And where we stand today, the unemployment rate is 7.9%. Now, still a lot of work to be done to get us back to that long run average, about 3.5%. But as of this point, we've made up about half of the job losses that we've seen from the coronavirus pandemic. So it's important that we're moving in the right direction. We expect to see the next unemployment report on November 6th, which is post-election, so likely not to factor in to some of the decisions that people make 
at the polls. Now, a quick update on a state-by-state -state basis, just to give you an update here. Now, we're not going to go through all 50 states. Nevada continues to be the highest unemployment by state basis at 13.2%, a byproduct of much of the jobs in that state being in the hospitality sector. And Nebraska continues to be the state with the lowest unemployment rate at 4.0%. Housing, which we can continue to believe is one of the greatest leading indicators of the economy, gives you a real good feel about how the health of the economy is doing, what direction we're heading. We tend to see uh, great signs in the housing sector. All right, housing continues to break out to new all-time highs. This is existing home sales, uh, purchases, and of course, new building starts. So that's something to watch, but it tells us that people are starting to move forward with their plans, and that's a good sign for the economy. An update on stimulus. Okay, stimulus has been very important in the coronavirus pandemic response. We know what the Federal Reserve has done. They lowered interest rates to zero. They also put a lot of money into the corporate markets to try to help with liquidity problems for larger publicly traded companies. And the Federal Reserve has committed to keeping zero interest rate policy in place through 2022. So this means a couple things. Number one, it's not great for savers with people keeping excess cash in the bank because you're not going to get much return on your money. But it's good for people who are taking loans because it means lower rates. Same thing with mortgages. Lower rates for longer is a good thing. And of course, lower rates has generally been good for the stock market. We expect more stimulus to be on the way. It seems to be in a little bit of a holdup right now in Congress, but regardless of what party wins the White House, we expect the first item on their agenda to be more stimulus by the, in the form of direct payments to individuals, as well as more PPP, which is payroll protection plan money, uh, going to businesses to help shore up payroll and bring people back to work. A uh, quick update on investor sentiment. You know, we look a lot about it. We study a lot about investor sentiment, I should say. And investor sentiment is generally the mood of the market. How are investors feeling about the market? This gives us a good idea how investors are feeling so we could map our strategy around that. All right, currently, only 35% of investors are bullish or positive about the market moving forward, which is well below historical averages. And currently, 39% of investors are bearish or negative about the market moving forward. Now, this may sound like a bad thing, but from a contrarian standpoint, this is actually a good thing because we don't want to see excessive optimism in the market. And when we see excessive pessimism, it tends to be a good buying opportunity. On average, investors as a whole continue to be underinvested in this market. We talked about this in our last quarterly update with excessive amounts of money on the sidelines, people who were running scared from the market uh, with panic and fear back in March. And we're still seeing about $4.5 trillion on the sidelines. When we say the sidelines, we mean sitting in cash, sitting in money markets, sitting in bank accounts. And it has not made its way back into the market. Now, with a zero interest rate policy from the Fed for the foreseeable future, there's really no better game in town than the market for people to get some return on their money. So we expect to see this capital continue to flow back into the market, and that can give the market some tailwinds to move higher. Still, many investors are still paralyzed by the fear of another crash. They don't like what they went through in March. If they went through it without a plan, uh, it was certainly an event that was very scary. So we you know, want to see that there is still some fear in the marketplace. Again, as a contrarian investors, that is a good thing. Um, we do not want to see excessive greed in the marketplace. The fear and greed indicator that we currently spend a lot of time looking at is neutral right now, which is a good sign. It means that markets are by no means overvalued or overheated, which is one of the talking points you hear from a lot of the pundits in the financial media that this market has gone too far too fast. And an indicator like this tells us that that is simply not the case. Now, 
the upcoming election. It's an event that's certainly on everybody's mind. Investors have a lot of questions about it. And it's important to understand a couple things about elections. Number one, bull markets generally are not born, nor do they die based, based on election outcomes. Uh, if you look at historical return statistics, about the market and shape it around who's in the White House, there's very many similarities between how the markets perform. Uh, we would say that the congressional races may tend to be more important in something like this because who is in the Senate and who is in the House tends to shape policy and spending initiatives and makes it less important who's in the White House. So again, we don't see the election as a reason to do something. We'll monitor it very closely. We will make sure that we are not investing in extremely sensitive areas, uh, areas where the candidates differ greatly on their stance and how they would approach policy. But a lot of the investments that we see in the market right now will continue to behave in a similar fashion regardless of who is in the White House. Now, most importantly, an update on our portfolio strategy. Let's talk about what we're doing and how we're trying to create additional value in our accounts. We do expect the election to create volatility, but volatility is not something that we're not used to at this point. It's become a theme of 2020, and if we play it right, it creates buying opportunities within the markets. We will use cash in our portfolios to flatten out some of the bumps in the road that we may see as the election unfolds. And volatility can create buying opportunities. Not all volatility is bad. So it's important that we have some cash in the portfolio to deploy when these opportunities present themselves. We continue to believe that technology is and will be the leader of the market as we move ahead. Uh, you know, these are some of the greatest companies and we mirror these in our portfolio strategy. We have been heavy in technology for uh, several years now and you've seen that bear itself out in the results as technology has been far and away the winning asset class in the markets of 2020. And we think the reason for that is, is a lot of these companies don't, are not heavily dependent on foot traffic. They have products and services that lend themselves to this new world that we're living in with the coronavirus pandemic. And some of these companies that we own have actually seen additional tailwinds from the trends in the work from home space. We are focused on owning companies that we think have incredible products and sustainable economic trends, regardless of who is in the White House, the Senate, or the House. Uh, we, we will avoid areas that we think are extremely economically sensitive to the election. There is not many of those areas, but an example I would give is, is the energy sector, as the candidates have polar opposite views on something like fracking. So we will avoid economically sensitive areas, but we continue to believe the way that we're positioned right now with leaning into technology is the way forward. Uh, we will continue to evaluate and respond to the markets as we see fit and make the changes that we think give us the best opportunity to make you money. If you have any questions about anything we're discussing here or something about your personal situation, we encourage you to reach out to us. Um, you know, We've welcomed a lot of you back into the office over the last several months, but we still have Zoom video conferencing as an option for those of you that may not be comfortable. Uh, we are always happy to talk to you about anything that's on your mind and we encourage you to reach out to us with any questions that you may have. We thank you so much for your confidence in our team. It means a lot to us, and we will get through to the end of 2020 and look back at this at one point in the future as a memory of something that we defeated. Thank you for watching. We hope to see you soon.